0: Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network.
1: Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to This Must Be the Gig. I am your host Leo Phillips, and each week we draw the curtains to unveil the inside-outs, those gurgly guts of the music industry. Essentially, this is your backstage pass to the world of live music, where we'll have our favorite artists dishing on the gig that changed their life, festival founders on what makes a perfect lineup, set designers on how those massive lighting rigs seem to work, and much, much more. I'm here with our engineer and producer, the amazing Adam. Hello, Adam. Hey, hey. There's a hesitation because he clearly is still a gremlin.
0: Oh that's that's what it is.
1: <laughs> that's exactly what yeah. that pause was right He should not be fed after midnight just for precaution.
0: Just just be careful that's all.
1: Hello, Adam. Hey. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How, How are you doing? Uh, this week we have a really amazing chat with the lovely Tim Burgess. As frontman of the Charlatans, Tim has been a legendary figure of positivity and warmth for a very long time. Something that you'll pick up instantly from his giggle. In addition to fronting one of the biggest Britpop indie pop bands in the world, he runs a label. O Genesis Recordings with his equally talented and lovely partner Nick Colk Void, a factory floor, whom I love, (laughs) among others.
0: I know you had to really restrain yourself from not just making the entire conversation about about factory floor.
1: um,
0: I mean, you love the charlatans, you love factory floor. How how does that... It's
1: a match made in heaven. (laughs) Oh, Genesis. A lot has happened, obviously, in the last decades of history with the charlatans, from multiple band members tragically passing away to releasing now 13 studio albums, to touring the world, to their triumphant homecoming takeover, which is this May. I was like, where are we for a second? (laughs) I didn't understand what year or day. Is anybody having a day like that? Their takeover is really interesting. It's at the Northwich Memorial Court. It's a mini festival experience that spans multiple intimate performances from the charlatans. Exciting guest. Wait, did you hear that? Oh, I heard this... The distant screams of the Charlatans fans. <laughs> oh. oh they'll also But wait there's more. But wait, oh, there's more. They'll have rare memorabilia, film screenings and more. All really bundled in this place where it all started for, for Burgess and his bandmates. So that's all happening and there's obviously not much more that a diehard fan could really ask for. You know, there's beloved songs that we love. From the charlatans like North Country Boy, Weirdo, The Only One I Know, and so many more, it's really safe to say that the charlatans' discography, infused as much by dance music and post-punk, more than justifying their indie rock legacy.
0: Again, if you're a fan, you gotta get there.
1: Yeah, you gotta you got get there. And also, I haven't even mentioned yet the fact that he's got a brand new solo album called As I Was Now, featuring, among others, the brilliant Debbie of My Bloody Valentine. Joshua of the Horrors. I had to take a deep breath because my bloody Valentine does something to the insides.
0: But that's not it. There are other inside doers.
1: Joshua of the Horrors yeah. and Lady Hawk.
0: Yeah. It's such
1: a wild and exuberant record. I really love it. And it's a statement, I think, of a veteran exploring really comfortably and eagerly you know, he, uh, he's a non-traditionalist, completely nurtured by change and also with this beautiful level of curiosity and he jumps from genres with a whole bunch of friends and they're all in it together. Simply put, there's a hell of a lot to talk about with Tim and even though we had a couple of hours, it felt like really just us scratching the surface. This, my friends, is how to be a musician, play like you really never went away Like, you're always topping those charts and kind of never aging. We talked about getting put in a headlock by Iggy Pop backstage, trying to sell his bandmate's bass to the Beastie Boys. Bandmate's bass to the Beastie Boys. Hey, that could be a Beastie Boys song. It is. It is a Beastie Boys song. But he had also kind of been certain that he already released his latest album, As I Was Now, years ago. And also we chat about him moving from Los Angeles back to the spooky forests of England. I think blondes really do have more fun. And <laughs> what do you think?
0: Without any hair, I wouldn't know.
1: Here's us, me and Tim, having all the fun. Where are you based at the moment?
2: I'm actually in Norfolk at this moment. Um, moved out here maybe about five years ago, something like that, from London. You know, it's um, out by um, the sea and mm. uh, in, in the middle of a forest as well. So it's kind of oh quite. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pretty yeah. peaceful and and mm. also um, quite you know quite quite scary.
1: <laughs> what just because of the ambient sounds or the ghosts in the forest or? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah all, all, all of that and uh, yeah just 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 um you know there's no one around so it's mm. kind of quiet it's it's quite um yeah it's quite bleak
1: but didn't i mean i quite like the bleakness but obviously sometimes when you feel like you need people or at least a little bit of action or something around you it can be yeah. a little bit difficult because then you're just caught in your head but so why did you decide to move out there weren't you i think the last time I read something, weren't you living in LA, or was that is that wrong?
2: Uh, no, that was right uh, mm. for a, for a while. I, I I moved to London from LA in
1: 2010. Okay.
2: Okay. Uh, so, uh I was in LA from 98, 98, So I was there for a while. But uh,
1: gosh, this is a change <laughs> from where you're living now to LA.
2: Yeah, yeah from Hollywood to the Wood. <laughs> That's so good. Is that
1: going to be on your on the Tombstone from Hollywood yeah. to the world? Um,
2: I, I think so, yeah.
1: But I th- I'm sorry to be morbid. I mean
2: That's fine.
1: <laughs> um but I think that that's especially for an artist having that space away from the city where you can kind of burrow away, have your moment and not be distracted. I can imagine that that helps you a little bit in terms of creativity or have you found it quite difficult to be there
2: no um it's just different um i mean i, I you know i do i do like to go to london and and kind of like feed off the energy and then bring it back with me um uh, but it's just a different uh, headspace really than than um than that of being in in the city in the city you know um so you know i've got um kind of a studio set up here and um uh my my partner is uh, an artist and musician so it's kind of quite nice to talk through a few things with her if um if we ever get stuck but uh, (laughs) apart from that there's no people around so it's kind of you know it's kind of uh you know we have to make up our own world really
1: well, I know your music, so I'm sure that your imagination is quite intense and crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah,
2: it's it is very nice, I've got to say. I've got to say. So.
1: so did so where did you actually grow up? Was that you still grew up in the UK?
2: Yeah, I grew up I grew up in um a place it was it was a place called Northwich. Mm-hmm. And um it's twenty miles from Manchester and twenty-two miles from Liverpool, so it's like kind of somewhere right in the middle. Um, um, my, my my folks are from from Manchester, and um, I kind of, you know, just, uh, you know, felt quite, you know, I I'll just always think of myself as north northwestern, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Does it have because it's geographically in the middle does it have aspects of both like the feeling of Liverpool and Manchester or does it have its own do you feel like it had its own identity
2: No it was definitely um an overspill Okay from uh, <laughs> from, from 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 Manchester really um there was, there was um a town about 4 miles from where i grew up called uh, Winsford
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm
2: and that was an overspill from Liverpool. So it was kind of like there was a clash, but a kind of, you know, uh, an affinity because, you, you know, we're both we both overspill towns from from, from uh, incredibly creative cities.
1: And in terms of your household, like what? How was that when you were growing up? Was that did you Did you have music around you? Were your parents involved in it? How did that how did that start? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, well, um, uh, my, I always remember my mum having a copy of a Rod Stewart record. Uh, so I don't, I don't know, don't know if that's it. And, the Stad.
1: oh my gosh. Yeah,
2: yeah a, a, a nice kind of like, Tonight I'm Yours. Uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, and uh, my dad having an ABBA record. Uh, but apart from that, um, there was nothing really um, to suggest that I would um, uh, uh, be You know, be interested in post-punk and uh, an acid house. (laughs)
1: Mm, mm. Maybe because there was none of it, you had to create it.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, um, it was um, my my mum and dad, they they did have guitars in the house and they kind of like strummed along like a little bit like, um, uh, have you ever seen the film Nuts in May?
1: No, I haven't actually.
2: It's it's, it's, uh, yeah, well, it's um, you know, two kind of like folkies, Mm. uh, 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 hippie hippie folkies, (laughs) but um, they 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 didn't intend to be like that. It was just the era, you know, it was the it was the seventies and eighties, and they had acoustic guitars. Uh, But it was my it was my mum's youngest brother uh Andrew who really got me into music. He had a record player and, and some great kind of records and posters on his wall and guitars in his in his room and my mum um yeah had six brothers and, and sisters and oh, he was wow. the youngest and he was the youngest so he was only a little my mum was the oldest. So so he was closer to my age than me. Well you know he's like three years older than me or something like that.
1: That's really wonderful and having that access so close and familial i can imagine you always trust i don't know with me i always trusted whatever stuff my brother was listening to or my sister i would just suddenly be like oh that's cool you know like i had no brain really when i was younger and then slowly as (laughs) i i'm sure i'm sure that happened you know we're so impressionable when we're young so it's just it's, it's quite wonderful
2: yeah i mean i remember um like uh the Osmonds and Bay City Rollers uh, really. Um and then um Andrew, you know, this um, my mum was youngest brother. Um he um you know he liked Slade and um I suppose uh, Led Zeppelin really and Jeth- and Jethro Tull that I really liked uh, for some for some strange reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't know whether I like them anymore. But um, I, I, re- I read actually once that, that John, John Lydon was was really inspired by uh, um, Ian Anderson. Oh,
1: wow. That's yeah. interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like quite, um, you know, uh, well, it, just if you look at the cover, you can probably mm, uh, you can tell you can kind of see it. But I don't know why I, I, I was into that. Uh, But they seemed more serious than kind of like, you know, um, things that I was probably naturally drawn to, like little Jimmy Osmond.
1: Mm. (laughs) But was there in terms of, so you had the posters on the wall and he kind of opened up a door, not the world, but a doorway for you to explore new music. So was there did you have access to music in terms of venues and was there a solid scene or did you have to hop in the car and travel with your mates when you were younger? How accessible was that scene?
2: Um, yeah, it was, it was always, Ma- uh, Manchester or Liverpool, um, really, um, except, uh, when, um, at the age of 13,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, a band who I really loved, who I'd kind of found with my friend, um, um, it, it, you know, in, in the town that I grew up in, um, a band called Crass. When when I was young, like eleven or twelve or something like that, I, I, I decided I, I saw on Top of the Pops that there was um, a band called the Vibrators, and they they, they 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 were the first punk band I'd really seen, and I, I decided that I wanted to be into punk music. Mm-hmm um andrew had uh, taught me all about uh, an opened a door but this was the world the world now was calling uh, the world of music and um it was it was through punk music now uh, at age 13 uh, <laughs> the impressionable uh, kid that I, that I was uh, a, fr- a friend of my brother's came up to me and said and said the sex pistols the clash you don't listen to them anymore. This, 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 this is the band. And, um, and on the front, it said pay no more than 45 pence. Oh my
1: gosh. And, uh, sold. I'm sold. Yeah, yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. And, and, the, and, the, and the, and the sleeve was a pullout, uh, um, um, you know, a out sleeve, uh, you know, a pullout, uh, like poster really of, of, um, lots of, pretty gruesome drawings and 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 photographs uh, as a collage but uh, it fascinated me anyway crass came to town they came to
1: Winsford,
2: and it was part of um a tour that they were doing they were doing manchester and um and somewhere in wales and london london obviously um but they came to they came to winsford and it was a scout hall that they played at oh
1: my gosh
2: so, <laughs> so you were 13,
1: 13 years old.
2: Uh, yeah, 13 years old. Oh, my 90,
1: gosh. Okay.
2: 1980. And, there, uh, you know, a lot of us went. There was uh, me, me and my friend, his brother, um, you know, a, a couple of lads from the village because it was just it was an event. You know, it's like no no, no one really came there. It, it, it became a scene after, um, and, you know, lots of other punk bands uh, and you know second generation punk bands Subhumans and you know Dirt and bands like that came came around after but cross with the first band and we, you know we were there we 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 hung around after they finished and uh we, we were talking to them and they were eating soup oh and <laughs> It was, just like, it was just like... I love that uh, you remember
1: that they were eating soup. <laughs> yeah,
2: because it was just like, because I was taking everything in and, and and they were like, you know, they were offering the audience, like, you know, food <laughs> and things like that. And I just thought, wow, this is like such a great band. There's mm. so, many, so many members in the band, uh, girls and boys and, and um, you know, there's like a, 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 someone doing a film. There's people, you know, there's no roadies or anything like that. They were just all doing it. So self-sufficient. And, um you know, and everything that they had on their banners, like fight war, not wars. And, you know, and, uh, you, you know, all these crazy slogans and stuff. I was just taking them all in. And it was just a beautiful thing.
1: So what would have, what would it have been like to meet the 13 year old? Because <laughs> I love that you got to experience that as your kind of first big concert. But how, uh, yeah. Who? do you remember yourself back then? could you I don't know I, 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 I'm so fascinated by see, just picturing you 13 being like what the hell my god
2: you know well, yeah I, I did have like you know a, a shaved head okay uh, yeah and mm-hmm. um you know and, and Doc Martens mm, and uh, uh yeah and 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 that was kind of like you know a a lot to do with just kind of i don't know i think everyone was wearing them really it didn't feel out of the ordinary but i felt like um it was part of my identity um um and uh you know and i just liked i mean i totally recognize myself completely um you know okay when I, when i obviously i can picture myself <laughs> um, I not, that, uh, oh my gosh too yeah. long
1: in the woods you have to step away from the woods
2: Away <laughs> from the woods. um but um uh, it was yeah um um it was part of my I, it was the early parts of my makeup um uh, uh, and um it just I don't know I just really identified with them because they were just like so real and and uh, I have met them all since then. Oh um, gosh! Wow. As forty, you know, as forty or oh, thirty-eight-year-old Tim, I, I met them. But I, I tried to visit them a few times uh, um, at their place in Epping Forest. But yeah, you know, it's not But they still have people camping in their in their house and stuff like that. So it's kind of still a, it's still a free for all. So but, you, can, um, and you it, can
1: still go, or you can yeah, create yeah. your own. Maybe that's why you've moved far away. You can create your own. <laughs> Crust Volume (laughs) 2. It's incredibly wonderful that you have experienced something so life changing so early as well. Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, especially when they were younger, they were worried about, you know, experiencing things that might be against their parents or, you know, just things that weren't popular. And the fact that they came to town and you were exposed to that, I think, is such a great way to start your not career essentially, but to plant that seed. You know, yeah, I'm exactly. So, it's like almost grateful that you had that experience.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it was. It, I. I um, yeah, it, it 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 could have been anybody, couldn't it? Really. I mean, I think the, the you know the the uh, artist that I saw after that was was Toya. You know, and it was oh, like, just like <laughs> as as great as she is, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean it didn't really have the same it, it didn't have the same experience after you know, I didn't feel the same. And then um you know, um um they came to us and, 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 and I and I and I always feel, you know, that as a as an adult that going to going to people is is such a great thing. You know, um you can go to all the major cities you can go to all the major cities, but actually going to other places outside the major sisters is, 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 is a really great thing. Um, so uh,
1: was there, was there a first song maybe out of their catalog or something else that Andrew had played for you where Mm -hmm. you remember thinking I could do this, this, I could actually do that. That's something that really fills my heart. My passion fuels me. I could, I could get up on that stage. Was there a particular song or was it just a feeling?
2: Uh, It was definitely not Andrew's music because it was all quite noodly and guitar kind of. (laughs) (laughs) of, Noodly, yeah. uh, um, (laughs) uh, uh, So it would have it would have been Crass that planted the seed, but uh, without a doubt, um, the band that made me realise that I could actually do it. uh, I didn't know whether I could ever do it as as a um, uh, as a you know. I never really dreamt that I could do it. uh, um, You know, as as a career. You know, yes. I just, but but I thought I could do something. Was it, it was New Order? Oh wow. um, Because they were kind of they, they had a sim a simplistic approach, uh, but but used very complex, um very very complex equipment, and so it was kind of you know I would go and watch them, and the first time I saw them, they played one song for for, for forty minutes, and I thought, wow, that that is just like you know that's this that was a set. It was just one, one song. And then many others, I followed them around. Uh, I got quite obsessed with them. And, um, and, uh, you know, the, their gear would just break down and things would go completely out of tune. <laughs> and and then, the, 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 and then the, the, the clash that I had with, with Andrew was over New Order because uh, he saw them on the TV and they were just sang out of tune and made a lot of mistakes, <laughs> stuff like that. And he was like, that is not a band. I said yes. They're the brilliant. That's what I love about them so much. They're just like you know. They don't care. And uh, and um, so they were the band really. And they had a big hit. And they were from. They were local to me. They were from uh, the, the Manchester and um, Macclesfield, which is just up the road from Northwich. So
1: I don't think I've ever met anybody as lovely as Stephen and Jillian um, as well. The two of them and Bernard. i chatted to all of them. Yeah, They, it's such a, there's like this calming presence and they kind of, it's not that they don't give a shit because they definitely care. It's oh, yeah. more that they don't take themselves too seriously. Like yeah. every second chatting to Jillian and to Steven as well, it just felt very, I don't know, like they should be bigger assholes. You know what I mean? Because they are so... <laughs> Brilliant. Like, you know, you yeah, expect it. I agree.
2: <laughs> I, I agree completely. Um, uh, I, I had the Jillian, I've had the Jillian experience uh, mm. backstage. <laughs> the Jillian the, experience. Yeah. The <laughs> um, Okay. So I was, when I watched New Order, there was always a massive gap after they finished. They didn't do encores for a while. And then, then they started doing them, but there would always be like a massive gap, like 15 minutes before anyone would walk back on stage and do a song. <laughs> and uh, so I, I played with uh, Stephen and, G- uh, and and Gillian on um, uh, you know a, a gig. We, yes. We, we, you know we formed a super group for for a day, and uh, <laughs> and, um, and uh, we got we finished, and Gillian wanted to do World Emotion, uh, new order song, and we hadn't rehearsed it, and she didn't care. She, she was like we've got to go and do it let's do it it was it was england were, yeah england were in the world cup and <laughs> and, and i i supported jillian i was like we're doing it come on let's do it it's, Stephen then sort of like kind of went okay let's try it and mark uh from the charlatans was like okay i'll learn the chords as we go and and um when um you know, when we came off, people came up to us and, and they were saying, wow, it was just like watching New Order in the 80s. Oh my
1: what gosh. What? <laughs> so, Did you faint? So, Is this well, the point where you tell me you fainted or drooled all over yourself? I don't know how you, I mean, that was that was so, yeah. such a big band for you in that time.
2: Well, all the questions that I, I, that were going through in my head after, after New Order in the 80s would uh, finish their main set and then come back you know, if they were going to come back and do an encore, all my my kind of questions of my 16-year-old self were answered.
1: I mean, to have that experience and also have it go well and be able to just play with them, I can't even imagine how that must have felt because there's some form of artistry that really, the ones that overwhelm you by being so natural
0: and yeah. I think that that's so
1: strange, obviously, that that's such a rare thing. Because you always you think logically being a natural, raw, open and vulnerable performer, of course, on paper, mm-hmm. that makes so much sense. Yeah. But when you find it and see it, it's like this rare animal from the, you know, from the heavens. It's it's, it's such a rare thing because there is such a persona that bands have to put on or that they, you know, and not in, in a bad way. Having a a stage, (laughs) you know, having a stage persona is not necessarily a bad thing, Um, you know, just to keep your sanity intact, but...
2: I I think so, yeah.
1: Yeah, but having, but being able to perform and attack music and approach music in a way that's natural really just makes it all worthwhile, I think. Especially from your perspective as a musician, I can imagine
2: yeah well i mean i i I love Stephen and Jillian. i mean um you know I, I've met all of them and they're all equally beautiful people um but um yeah I, they taught me lots by them their records and going to see them live uh, um and uh you know we're from a similar part of the world um and they're now friends and they they play on charlatan's records now and um and um It does feel natural because I feel like I've known them all all my life. Yeah, Uh, uh, and uh, you know, but um, I sometimes you know feel a bit awkward in their presence.
1: (laughs) Well, just but that's always what I was wondering. I was wondering that now, like, how do that do bands feel different? You know, have those bands meant different things to you as a fan compared to how you see and feel about them as a musician? You know, like, is there that? A difference in comparison because obviously you saw them from a different point of view physically yeah. and emotionally and then yeah. then you're standing right next to them on stage or you know in studio so did you have a do you have a different version of them and do both come into play when you see them like you're like Wah! and then also okay I need to respect <laughs> you as my fellow peer. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean it, it, it's kind of like that, but at the same time, um, Stephen uh, um, for sure is very much a kind of like um, turn up, uh, work uh, and, and 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 do a really good job kind of guy. You know, he's, he's very conscious and very and takes things very seriously um, as as an artist, and, and but also he kind of like you know he, he kind of likes. Chatting in between, and we just like, you know, I always ask for a bit of a sound or something, yes, you know, but at the same time, we just get on and, and do it, and then it's like till next time, you know, and um, and it's kind of that's the, the I suppose, the respect really. Um, you know, I always offer to make him a cup of tea. Uh, <laughs> Did you do uh, that? <laughs> yeah,
0: of
2: course, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: that was the most important cup of tea.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well we, we've we worked together quite a lot now yeah so no I'm good.
1: sure I can yeah. only imagine you know the, just knowing your knowing your work and your music and how I've literally spoken to so many people and they always mention you I've been wanting oh, really? to talk to you for so you just you just seem really approachable and accessible in oh, in wow. the best way and I think that especially the way that you are describing the type of musician that you looked up to, I yeah, feel yeah. that you have, in fear of sounding incredibly soppy, I feel that you have become that in, yeah. in in a way because you've exposed yourself to the right type of people and stayed um, true to my true, true,
2: true, and, and, and true to what, true to what yeah. I liked. I think
1: um, absolutely. Um,
2: th- well, I, I agree, and 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 it's really nice that that. you've noticed you've noticed (laughs) (laughs) of
1: course of course we have all
2: noticed it's uh
1: i think and especially because i remember uh, discovering the charlatans a long time ago but that was through via the via and then i didn't realize that you actually started that when you were you were in your 20s or was it were you were you still a teenager
2: i I was 21 going on 22, which I thought was really old. And we thought, it, we all, we <laughs> <laughs> how funny is that? Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was um, kind of like a great opportunity uh, um, to work with Martin, really, who um, was in a band that I, that I quite liked at the time as well. He, he was in a band called Making Time before the Charlatans. They were, they were kind of a, a mod band uh, that I'd seen in London a couple of times. And... Um, so it was, and, you know, we're still, we're still working together now. So it must've gone mm. all right. <laughs>
1: yeah. but It um, must've worked <laughs> out a little bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh,
2: yeah. So 20, 21 going on 22.
1: I think that it's so funny that you look back at that now and you're like, that was so young. But when you, I mean, you were exposed to all of it when you, you were in bands Prior to the Charlatans as well, were not you?
2: I, I was always in always in bands. Yeah. Always yeah, in bands. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah.
1: So, so when did you? Was your first proper performance? Well, I don't know what. I mean, I don't ever know what constitutes yeah. as proper. I suppose getting up and playing for anyone can be technically classified as a as yeah, a Yeah, game, yeah, right? of course. Of course. <laughs> So when so was your first concert with the Charlatans or was it with uh, another band? I, no, I I played
2: that? I played concerts um since like the age of like I I suppose 18 maybe. Um maybe younger but I, I I'm I'm not really sh- really sure. I mean I was always in bands fr- um after after I left school I was always in bands uh, but you know never really thought that it would lead to anything, um, but then there was always a drive, so I must have had something going on. Um, my 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 mum always used to say that I always wanted to be involved in music some way uh, or some somehow, uh, but I didn't really know entirely how to do it. But that's you I don't think you ever do, do you? Really, you know, you just you just try and go on instinct and and you know um, any kind of money that I made in my job, I would buy uh, equipment. And um, and uh, I learned to drive uh, when I was seventeen, and I would always drive uh, other people who were in my bands around and drop them off and bring their equipment yeah. as well. So there was always a drive, um, you know, to to you know, to make music.
1: Do you remember your first concert? Do you remember where it was? And I mean, I'm particularly more interested in how you felt just before you started playing were there any because it doesn't sound like there was any self doubt or, or lack of confidence when you were even when you you were starting out
2: uh, no hard? it would have been uh, right but there would be a catch because we, i was probably playing other people's songs that were very good <laughs> uh, yeah. and, um, okay. i remember yeah uh, okay. iggy pop uh, cover versions and uh, um uh, quite a quite a few by the doors and some by the cult I remember doing stuff by the cult
0: Wow. Um,
2: and and their first gig I would have ever played would have been in Northwich and it would have been at a place called the wine the wine bar mm. wine bar <laughs> yeah
1: not w-h-i-n-e
2: no, no. W- actual, I, wine. actual wine. Yeah. What? What a funny name for a for a bar. <laughs> but, but you
1: know. No, I, I mean it does its purpose, right? When you so, when you're on the street, you know exactly what it does. Yeah, so so, so 80s. it is, Yeah. <laughs> so that was your first gig. Was there anything when you first started performing your own material with the band? Yeah. Um. And you started touring. How did you feel very natural in that position performing live? Was that something that you felt, mm. you know, came very easily to you? Or did you have to slowly progress into a certain character or um, into just a different way?
2: Well, the, the, the first band I actually really uh, remember um, being, the, I, I was, I was, this, I, I played, bass and um and 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 keyboard for uh, different bands uh, and uh, who played at the wine bar um um and mm-hmm. um but there was a band there was a uh, called uh, the electric crane set mm-hmm. and i was the singer uh, in that band and i used to kind of like um you know uh, you know my 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 role models were uh marky e. smith um uh, ian curtis and, uh, and, and and iggy pop, so um with the iggy and oh,
1: it a very particular style of performing
2: yeah and uh, you know yeah. it was it was kind of quite you know it was quite uh, kind of angry and uh, I, I would take my shirt off and um yeah, doing an iggy kind of thing and yes. kind of roll around on the stage and be and and be you know and be nineteen you know what yeah and uh, and, uh, and uh you know be confrontational and you know and kind of you know it's yeah kind of yeah kind of quite you know not really uh uh not trying to be liked or anything like that just quite conversational it's quite it's very fun very 19
1: <laughs> i uh- I mean, no, say no more. Very 19. I can't. It feels like a distant memory. But obviously when you are, when you're getting up on stage and I, I think there's some sort of power. Well, I can only imagine there's some sort of power in just letting go completely. Yeah. You know, you hear about artists having to practice doing that. Yeah. And the fact that you just got up there you know took your shirt off rolled around yeah. got into the sweat and and the dirt i think that that fits completely into the style of music the you know the and more so the attitude yeah that comes from obviously punk yes. and post punk yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah but so did you calm down ever i mean not in a bad way like did it settle or do you still roll around how do you no
2: how um, what happens now what happens now well uh, I don't take my what shirt happens I, I, now. I don't take my shirt shirt off uh, okay. uh, um, um
1: Iggy still does though we all know that Iggy still has his shirt off
2: and he still looks amazing um <laughs> yeah uh, okay so so after the electric what happened really is that the electric crayon set um uh played played opening for the charlatans uh okay before uh they got rid of their singer who played who played the guitar so and so we were playing and uh you know i i I don't know who i was trying to impress or anything but um I, i certainly impressed rob collins the keyboard player of the charlatans and they they were about to ask their singer to leave and he suggested that i join them and uh they were it was a different s- s- style of music uh completely and it was more they had three songs and and um or well, three songs that they wanted to keep uh um and um they wanted me to join and and uh they were kind of like kind of 60s instrumentals and you know i've i've, I've always uh, you know uh pretty much always found something in all kinds of music that I, that I, that i liked um and you know there was it, there wasn't really an aggression in in, in this kinda of, in this music but there was a, there was definitely um some subversiveness to it it wasn't it wasn't you know you know it it um and it, it was and it was youthful you know so it, it, um it felt okay to leave the electric crayons although they didn't they weren't so happy uh and jo- oh, gosh, uh, join, sure. uh, join uh charlatans mark ii maybe call it and um uh with a an, an, another guitarist called john baker and that was the start of that so uh, things to change and uh, um i consciously changed it and music was changing for me too uh, I was listening to a lot of like uh, dream dream pop and kind of like uh, you know and, and and acid house and and um and sixties garage. So it was kind of a combination of all that really.
1: And harnessing that kind of beautiful bag of such a variety of influences, and I can imagine that even you know having someone like Rob. Yeah. And it's really still sad to think. Um, you know, about everything that's happened Um, and having that as your starter, I think is really so special because irrespective of whether, as you said, it wasn't aggressive, irrespective of whether you're in a punk band, Mm -hmm. you know, the perception of punk is sometimes seen as, you know, nobody really everyone's in there it's energetic there's you know legs and arms flailing yeah. it's it's this you know there's such a beautiful <laughs> combination of things but the truth at the core of it is that you do need a certain symbiosis between the band members yeah. to play punk there's absolutely no way obviously you can let that you know bass kind of wobble out of bounds. You know, things can go wrong and you wouldn't pick it up as you would maybe classical music, which is yeah, you know, a different setup and a different format. But with punk you really do need to trust your band members. Yeah. That either that they will have your back if you're wanting to, you know, <laughs> scream for an extra minute longer. Or tackle topics as well yeah, yeah, that yeah. other people might not necessarily be comfortable with. So when you first were performing especially the beginning in the beginning all those songs yeah did you were you writing as well or was it a combination of all of you writing together so
2: at the very beginning of the charlatans um uh, rob asked me to come for for a, a kind of you know just a, a hang let's call it and uh, and uh and 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 see if i could sing on their songs and um i did sort of like shout and scream a little bit Over the top of it, and Martin said, Let's do it again, but maybe sing this time. Which I thought was a oh my gosh, which I thought was kind of abrupt, but (laughs) but but um, and 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 it sounded fantastic. And he was right, you know, it's just like sing it, and I kind of sang it, it was a lot softer, and um, we you know, I kind of made some lyrics up and Martin handed me a piece of paper that had the word, something like, don't bring me flowers, I'm not dead, or, uh, and, uh, and I thought, right, okay, I'll keep that, i put it in my pocket and write something around that, and, and um, I said, uh, you know, I'll be in a band, but I want to write my own words, and they were kind of like, well, maybe, let's see how it goes, and, uh, um, and that was that was kind of it. And we got a set together really quick in like six months and we were just like practicing all the time. And, uh, you know, we wrote, uh, I think three of our earliest hits, uh, uh, in, in a day or something, or a weekend. It was just really, you know, the, the chemistry was just amazing. Uh, and, you know, I remember going back Um, going back home and just thinking that we really were the best band in the world. It was, it was amazing, you know, but the buzz.
1: And and especially having that camaraderie and that ease where he could just turn around and tell you like, no, stop (laughs) screaming. I trust that your voice will carry this. You know, I'm (laughs) confident in you Um, in a really, as you mentioned, abrupt way. I think that that, I mean, trust is at the core of, of, of all of it right in terms of collaboration and is it, i mean that could be across any forms of art trust yeah. is really the the base foundation for for most collaboration yeah do you feel that that helped you write more openly and more honestly because you knew that you had this kind of family in essence around you
2: oh that had my back kind of thing mm. it, yeah uh, and unfortunately um you know we spent a lot of times together after that. <laughs> yes, um,
1: a lot of time. Yeah, uh, you know,
2: Martin, who handed me the piece of paper, and and, and myself have um, always kind of been pretty much opposites in many ways, and I think that's proved for you know for 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 a lot of it a good thing. Um, we balance each other out or something weird like that. But uh, you know, we kind of we both come at things from the complete opposite direction <laughs> i don't know but i don't know what it would have been like uh, um, if it wasn't this way but yeah i think we do uh, you know I, I do believe in him
1: you then toured a lot with them yeah and did you find that your process of writing and your process of making music did that shift a lot when you started touring in the beginning, and especially because it's, you know, you, you're you excited, you've yep. got that buzz feeling yep. you. Yeah. Did you feel like you were writing more and more? Like, did it just flow out of you and ooze out of you? Well, or... you know,
2: I, I'd, I'd had my influences from, from you know, uh, New Order and Crass, and, you know, I, there was always things in there that kind of reminded me of them, even though the – but it was a stream of consciousness. Everything was kind of like, you know, I was – dancing to their music and kind of like and and letting it all come out you know basically really and um you know it, it was um it was it was just really fast writing uh, uh, as well things that were going on around me you know it's a uh, very um uh, you know spontaneous you, you know uh, uh, the, there was a band it was really into at the time called the Sundays do you remember them I do
1: I do but that was a, when was this this was in the
2: this was like eight, eight, 80,
1: yeah, 80 okay,
2: eighty-nine, and they, and they and they had a song called "You're Not the Only One I Know," and uh, I thought it was such a good title that I kind of borrowed the title. It's called, <laughs> like the only one I know, and I thought mm. they that's uh, that's such a such a a good thing to take from them, really.
1: <laughs> if you're going to borrow anything, that was the one that resonated. That was
2: the one, that resonated, <laughs> but it was and and um, we, we would. Always always right together. That was the thing, really, um, as a band uh, when we first started, for sure.
1: But then, so had you traveled a lot internationally much when you were younger prior to touring internationally with the, with the charlatans? Not,
2: not at all, no.
1: Oh, my gosh. How, so how was that when you first did your first international? Like, did you have a total culture shock? Yeah. How, oh, or... oh,
2: Yeah. I mean everything uh, you know everything was um yeah I mean we went to Japan in 91 oh my gosh. and and you know uh, America the first show in America that we played we we played four dates and two of them were the Shoreline Amphitheater and uh, another amphitheater in in California and it, it was uh, as part of Gathering of the Tribes which is kind of a predecessor to Lollapalooza yes
1: yes uh, oh, oh, so you played that festival yeah, organized, that was one of the festivals yeah
2: organised by oh Ian Asprey <laughs>
1: oh my god no way
2: yeah so I'd been doing like wow. uh, covers by the cult uh, uh, we, we signed to Beggars Banquet uh, because you know Nico was uh, mm-hmm. uh, on Beggars and uh, the cult and the fall and uh, um, and then we got met by ian asprey from the plane in los angeles
1: oh my god and, and
2: taken to this festival uh that iggy was playing at the cramps uh iced tea and steve jones um uh, oh my god Festivals, yeah so it was, it was just like all, almost like all my uh, all your heroes and yeah, i think public enemy played as well i'm pretty sure they were wow. they were like the just the thing that i was listening to at the time um so it was just everything, pretty much all in one, all on all one, all on one stage. It was amazing.
1: Did you take your top off at that show and roll around?
2: <laughs> no, uh, no. But I did. I did, I did get attacked uh, by Iggy. Uh, <gasps>
1: no. In
2: in what? in the best in the best best most most playful way. Um, we were all sitting in a kind of communal room backstage, and he came up and um, put his arm around my neck, hit me on the head a few times. <laughs>
1: What just to just to say hey I'm here you yeah, ignoring yeah. me oh, okay just
2: to say hey I'm here here um, and you know I'm like your older brother or something like that yeah I, I don't know
1: yeah roughing you up a bit I love yeah, that
2: yeah and, and then he ran off uh, uh, which was brilliant <laughs> you know it's just like wow just you know I, I I don't think I had the chance to say I've got a record for you for you to sign. <laughs>
1: I was thinking like how soon after, whilst he was right, grabbing your neck? Or... Yeah, like,
2: I, got, I, I got it later.
1: But... I think that that's incredible to have that kind of experience, especially when you're so young as well. It really humbles you. I mean, I'm sure that you felt top of the world, but it also kind yeah. of humbles you in that musicians that you look up to are in the end just people. Yeah. And the fact that he could be so playful Yeah and be kind of on the same level as as a starting a new band as well is really special. From that experience in California and then touring around, how often did that happen? Did you, was that a plan to always tour or did you just tack on to the fact that you loved performing live?
2: To be, to be honest, we just, we've just always played uh, every time we release a record and sometimes in between those records too. So, you know, there is a, an amazing enjoyment of of playing but i mean we kind of play with most records to kind of like because we like the, the people that were putting our records out for you know you know it's like you know um if a record label wants us to put a record out we honor that kind of the unspoken word or maybe maybe it's actually a spoken word i don't know but uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, we do a you do a record and you know you get asked if you're going to play live and it's like yeah sure you know and uh we, yeah, we go on, we go and to, yeah of. we go and support mm-hmm. that record you know and um and and there's a, an amazing thing uh, about about playing new material so it kind of comes hand in hand you you write new material because you want to play new stuff uh and and uh, and you know that it's got to be good um because the old stuff has much more resonance because it's older and more well known so yes. uh, so you it's just you kind of end up in a kind of a bit of a bit of a you know it's just kind of a whirlwind really that you
1: mm. but it's
2: fun, so you just keep doing it.
1: Do you have a favorite like festival that you've played and traveled to anything or a year or a place where that really stuck with you?
2: Well, um keeping it on the Stephen and Jillian trip um, <laughs> yes. uh, we, we played at um, a place called Castlefield Bowl and it's um it's about five thousand it might it might be bigger I don't, I don't know I think it's about five thousand uh, place in Manchester. And and uh, you know Stephen and Julian came on for of the encore, and it was a, a beautiful thing. Um, we had uh, Big Jimmy from Dexys playing with us as well, uh, Dexys Midnight Runners, and and it just seemed like there was just an, an enormous amount of people on stage, just sort of like sharing, sharing the love, really. But um, I would say that that was my favourite show that we've ever played, I think, and that was maybe like five years ago, something like that. But a uh, favourite festival. I don't know really. I mean I, 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 one of the times that I was really blown away was in a place called Bremerton, um in um in Washington. And we played with Beastie Boys and Sonic Youth and L seven. Oh my god. It was it was early it was early, so it was like ninety two. And um and you know, and uh Dave Grohl and um uh, Chris were backstage and um Beastie Boys wanted to buy Martin's bass. Uh, oh my gosh! Uh, really? And we we had a lot of um, uh, uh, we had a lot of weed that we had to get through before going going to going before
1: naturally he, heading he, heading
2: to Vancouver. Uh, and uh, so it was just like there's quite a lot of chain of events that were like it's just like lots of bands that are really really liked at the time, and um, it was just yeah. That so I don't I don't know how big or small that was either. So obviously <laughs>
1: yeah well i mean
2: but um uh, uh yeah so that that was a memorable one for sure
1: what bass did martin have that they wanted to buy were they just like out of a bass, or were they just did they just want to buy it because it it's martin's
2: uh they, it was around uh the check check your head kind of era so i guess yes. i guess they were all playing they were all playing weren't they um you know drums bass and guitar so um, an, an organ. So it's kind of a similar setup to to ours in a way. Um, but um, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I don't know. It was a Fender jazz bass. And I mean, you know, they're, pretty, they, they're not rare or anything like that. Um, but it was maybe just a particular make or year or something like that. And, and, you know, we asked them a lot of questions about how they made their records. And, you know, I definitely took a few tips.
1: Do you do you find yourself talking a lot to other artists about their process? Because I know that you started your own label as well, yeah. so I I already know that you have that curiosity. But that's quite rare to because you have to put yourself yeah, aside as well.
2: Definitely, uh, I mean, not you know, not it doesn't always. It's not always technical. Um, I just like I like observing really, uh, and and kind of you know, obviously. There has to be a little bit of conversation because you're talking to somebody. But um, uh, <laughs> yes. uh, um, you know, I, I just like hang. I do like to talk to other artists and musicians, and and um, I find myself uh, more comfortable uh, talking to people who, who make records and uh, who want to make records. And and uh, I, and I, I like having younger bands on my label, not exclusively younger bands, but um, yes, but, uh, I, I want to see the process of how they're doing it and it kind of reminds me of, of how I used to do it and you know and but maybe there's something that's new about the way that they're doing it at their age you know and and uh it's just having a curiosity in all of it um uh but with the Beastie boys I was just specifically asking them how they got their drum sound and uh because I was you know fascinated by it and they told me and it's a secret and, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs>
1: you're like don't ask me how they got the yeah. drum sound and uh
2: um you know uh, but the funny thing is is that people have asked me how we got our drum sound so it's it's, it's it's something that's came from the higher gods and was passed mm. to the beastie boys and passed on to me and and then it passed on to other Britpop bands
1: (laughs) it's like the gospel of how you got your drums that that could that could be also on a tombstone or something along those lines we're
2: we're, we're getting we're getting a lot of tombstone quotes
1: I know I almost want I wanted to say like tagline but then I'm like but where would that tagline go it's very morbid i'm so sorry about that i don't know where it comes from good. but so did they did they give you any other advice or iggy or you know steven jillian bernard anyone that you've played with i mean you've played with so many people we've just named a few what is the advice that resonated the most with you
2: i think i think it's always like you know to 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 a, you know, to do your own thing in a way. I mean that what has drawn me to these people is that we tend to agree on lots of things. So it's like, um whether it's a, a record or, you know, a favourite record by Panda Bear or a rec- yes, a record by, you know, uh Lou Reed. Or you know, or you know, and I mean when I saw so, when I spoke to Stephen, he talked about uh seeing Lou Reed and the Tots uh at Bellevue in Manchester and and, uh, and I told him about, uh, meeting or asking Lou Reed for an autograph in Manchester Piccadilly station in, in 19, in the mid nineties. And, uh, oh, wow. and,
0: uh,
2: and, 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 you know, all of a sudden this, the, the, you know, we're just talking about Lou Reed.
1: Just that process of discovery and just discovering things, whether it's discovering that you have commonalities or discovering that you are learning yeah, yeah, yeah. new things. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. A- 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 exactly. Uh, um, Ariel Pink came to London. I went to meet him. We went for a curry uh, at midday, which is something I never really do, but uh, um, uh, it was a great thing. And we talked about our Stevie Moore and our connection with him. And all of a sudden, you know, five hours go by and time to go see another musician.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Time for another curry. When you're connecting with those fans, because I'm particularly interested, I know that we've spoken a lot about your connection with other musicians as well, which I think is the crux of, you know, everything that you've done as well. Yeah. But in terms of your fan interaction, how are your fans? Do you interact with them a lot? Have they done any weird shit? Like who are your fans? Cause I know your fans are loyal and really love you and, you know, have stuck with you guys for so long. Um, but, what is your perception of them?
2: Well, I mean, I, I go on Twitter, uh, you know, quite a lot. And I, I do interact with, you know, people that like the band. And, and um, uh, my, my, you know, my, my perception of them is that, I don't know, they've kind of a bit, they just feel like that they've been there um, with me and they kind of like, um, they seem to like the new things that we do. And, and um, they kind of, they, they, you know, uh I, I I listen to to what what they're after as well, you know. Which is kind of, so there is an inter- interaction. It's not all one way. Um, I, I do enjoy taking myself out of the picture sometimes and just sort of like you know seeing what people are up to. I mean, I don't do requests, but you know, I, I, you know, I listen to them.
1: But especially having that feeling of being on that stage performing live, you've you've performed to such a variety of different crowds. Yeah number wise d- you know demographic you know all over the world but so uh, what is that feeling when you've got these fans reciting your words that you wrote back to you i can't even imagine because you've been around for a for a good amount of time y- now yeah you know to accumulate a beautiful bunch of fans but also with all your new and solo projects as well to to gain brand new fans yeah you know that might just only now be discovering charlatans oh yeah charlatans. oh
2: yeah i mean this there, there are people uh young kids down at the front who um are not interested in anything uh pre um uh, modern nature which was 2000 and 2015 <laughs> yeah. uh and uh i like that a lot they're they're confused when we do north country boy or <laughs> and, and and that is to me what it's all about it's a it's an ever-growing ever evolving force, you know, Um, um, and sometimes it it kind of like, sometimes it, it, it kind of stays the same for a bit. And then, you know, all of a sudden, something just like triggers something off. And, and I, I, I just love that really no disrespect <laughs>
1: yeah. you like these fuckers in the front uh, yeah. damn yeah, you, I, no. you know, saying,
2: yeah you know no disrespect to um to, to, to the the older guys at the back uh you know i love them too i love everyone yeah you know, they're all my children <laughs> <laughs>
1: in a non creepy way i love you like i am your father yeah,
2: exactly in a non creepy way
1: <laughs> yeah um but so tell me a little bit about i had a chance to listen to your new album that's coming out in april um as i was now yeah and when you announced your band for the new album you phrased it as this theoretical supergroup which is a kind of, it's kind of a swear word. You are basically swearing. I mean, supergroup for a lot of people, because there's been such terrible ones and such amazing ones, it's kind of on the cusp between nobody really knows how to treat that concept. How do you feel about the concept of a supergroup? And do you have your own, your favorite?
2: It's 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 funny. I mean, it's, it's a it's a it's a crazy word. Uh, you know, it's 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 not um, it's not a word that I would use every day. But it's kind of like we we have, we have something um, here called fantasy football, and it's like you 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 choose all your favorite football players from any team and put them in one team, and it's just like here's the best. You know, this is the best football team. Uh, you know, and that's my fantasy football team. Um, mm. I, I was just thinking of a way to introduce this record that. Is ten years old, and and and, and the story is uh, that you know between Christmas and New Year in two thousand and eight, um, uh, me and some friends who all happened to be in bands uh, got together and 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 made some music, and wow. I kind of, and I kind of forgot about it, and then even worse, a bigger crime is that I fo- I forgot it wasn't out.
1: <laughs> no, wait. <laughs>
2: So, Did you so, think
1: you had already released it?
2: I thought I'd already put it out, yeah. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> and, uh,
2: and, uh, um, so, uh, uh, but I was thinking of a way to introduce it to the world. And I just said, pick your favorite supergroup. Here's mine. And then uh, named everyone who played on it. And then a couple of weeks later, I, I, I said, you know, that... This
1: Surprise! Is, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> it's actually, uh, we've made a record. So, um
1: um I see yeah. what you did there. Oh, the old Switcheroo. <laughs> the old, the old Switcheroo. The old
2: Switcheroo. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's go through quickly who is in this band. I mean, it really is a fantasy lineup. You've got Martin from Primal Scream. You have Debbie. Yeah. Debbie the Debbie who I nearly tripped over myself when I met her for the first time.
2: Yeah, I, love um, I love her so much.
1: She is I, it's like she was, like she was levitating into the room, like I don't, (laughs) I feel like she wasn't really there, or maybe I wasn't, but she is quite extraordinary, and then you have Stefan, yeah, as well, on
2: drums, and drums, things, and, um, Josh, and you've
1: got Josh as well, oh my gosh, Josh, so you recorded this 10 years ago, and you're coming out with it now, did you have to revisit the songs and remaster them and rework them at all, or how did you? What was the process of re-releasing that? Well, the, it was into it was the a, real world, not into Tim's fantasy so fantasy it was, world.
2: It was always on my iPad, and therefore I thought it was out. Uh, <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> and, uh, I like and, this
1: song. Why yeah. did people not talk about it? <laughs> yeah, this.
2: The, 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 yeah, this. So song, weird. This, this song should have been a hit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I didn't. Um, all I did was uh, have it mastered. I didn't mix it. I didn't touch it. it, it I tried uh, with the Ladyhawk song, and uh, it didn't work out. And it, but it really occurred to me that it was all about the the, the time and place, uh, the sense of place, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and to mess with it would have. It, they were all really great desk mixes. It wasn't mixed. Um, so I just had it mastered and it sounds you know like a record you know I, i'm just happy with the way it was
1: it seems that they're all friends of yours in addition to obviously being such talented musicians in their own right they I'm are just looking i'm looking at the track list now and there's a there's got to be a reason for a song called inspired again like i know that this was 10 years ago but i feel like it is almost perfect it's better timing now
2: I think so. In some ways, you know, I mean, I've tried to analyze it a little, a little bit because it, you know, because that's kind of what you do when it comes out. But it does feel like the time's right for it in a, in a way. Even though I thought it was already out, but um, <laughs> it it does feel like that it's better now and kind of like you know, the title as I you know as as I was now, uh, it's kind of you know it all fits now and it's yeah I, I don't know now. Can you say now again?
1: Now, <laughs> yeah. now, no no, no 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 yeah, we we can definitely say now again. I love the title. I feel it's very poetic. It leaves you with that feeling of, oh, he's, he's going, he's about to reveal something I haven't heard from him. I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful record and I'm so excited for people to hear it. And so are you going to be touring it at all? Because now, obviously, there's so many. I don't know how everyone else's schedules are.
2: No. You know what? I know that Debbie's going to be playing uh, in My Bloody Valentine. um, Yes. uh, Sometime soon because I've seen adverts Uh for them. And uh, I don't know. I'm sure Josh is going to be busy. um, But, yeah, I'm going to put it out because it's coming out. And... um, uh and then i uh, suppose see what everyone's schedule is yeah that 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 would make sense but everyone is uh you know keen on it coming out martin duffy says he can't even remember making it
1: um <laughs> i mean everyone's losing their minds you already released it martin wasn't there
2: exactly <laughs> exactly but uh, um and uh De- debbie is she's just like you know she she thinks that there's one more one track missing because she remembers playing on something that was quite slidey, uh, that, oh, wow. that, she's, that she's not heard on it. So I'll have to have another dig around, but it was a really concentrated time, uh, with people that I re- really admire and, and, uh, and love as friends. And, and I think you can hear that in there. The, the song inspired again is, you know, it was about, um, going back to a flame. That's kind of like, you know, uh, scary to touch but uh you know you have to you can't resist and you know and it, uh, you know uh the inspiration flame or, or or whatever and it was kind of you know it's just every, the ideas were burning you know really burning bright and debbie's bass playing just sounds incredible on it and i think it's worth worth a listen just for that
1: and it's interesting because often as we were saying earlier there's a process and a life to each phase so yeah. you, you know the the life of writing that's the first then you know, recording, getting into the studio, that's the second. Obviously, there's little bits in between. But then the third is taking it uh, into a live setting, yeah. letting that breathe and letting people take that in. And it's it's a little bit different because I'm sure you're used to that process. And now with this, you won't necessarily be touring with it straight away. No. Hopefully in the future.
2: I, I would love to. I, I, I would love to. But I, I can really. imagine,
1: I wonder how different that experience is going to be for your listeners and your fans being open to it only on their headphones or their record player in a different more intimate way as opposed to a big live gig
2: that's a good point yeah
1: it's interesting because
2: it, yeah because it, it, it may you know in all fairness it may never happen because you know i mean everyone's schedule i, I haven't really thought about it to be, to be honest until, until you mentioned it and th- and thinking about the, the um, you know the possibility of getting everyone together again in the same room isn't that going to be that easy so um it might you know the headphones might, might be the only place for people to to ever witness it <laughs> but i
1: there's like alternate universe where people can only listen to things on headphones, but it's an that's... album that's already out and Martin wasn't on it and it's now. It's and, uh, like...
2: uh, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, <laughs> it's already a story's building.
1: Or we are creating one, that's yes. for sure. Yeah, we
2: are. we are. Well, I'm
1: really excited for it to come out. And Do you still believe that music and live performance, because your career has been not defined by it, but you've been affected beautifully by it, do you still believe that music can make that difference, especially within that live setting?
2: Yeah, because because people are, are so used to listening to records on their computer or on their um, uh, phones and stuff like that, the sheer kind of volume just like, you know, it, uh, you know, changes people's the way that people, you know, think about music, I think, when they go and see it in a, in a lot as a live performance, it's visceral, um, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can, yeah, You
1: can touch, smell, hear, feel. Everything is uh, yeah. much it, more tangible.
2: Yeah, and and, and uh, I, uh, I, th- I think it it really, you know, to go and watch My Bloody Valentine or go and watch Animal Collective or, you know, oh
1: my gosh, I love goes to live.
2: You know, those two lines. I mean, you're really missing out if you really miss an eye you don't, if you don't go. Yeah, so. mm,
1: I remember the first My Bloody Valentine I ever got to see was only in the 2000s when yeah. I was in London. Oh, when they, and they
2: came back, yeah, when there. they was, came
1: back in London. Yeah.
2: I was and there,
1: yeah. were you also there? That yeah. I'm not even kidding, was one of my favorite performances I think I've ever seen, and partially because as you walk in, they give you they give you (laughs) earplugs and I was like, oh, this is, this is what's going to happen. It's like a primer for get ready to sink into the floor from, you know, the depths of sound. I mean,
2: I I went to three, I think of the five at their own house. Uh, and then, but, and then I saw them at El Rey and, um, I, I, I was, yeah, so I was living in Los Angeles and I went to see, I went to see them at El Rey and I saw a truck outside. I thought, Wow, it only, only holds like 600 people, and they've got like a truck of, of equipment going into this you know small building. And then I walk around the other, other corner, and there's another truck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, very exciting talking about trucks, but just it still blew me away just seeing the, the amount of stuff going into this one place. And uh, anyway, they played on my birthday as well, which was an amazing thing in uh primavera. Uh, then oh, uh, yes, uh, Sonic Youth together uh 2010 that was pretty amazing
1: i love that festival have you played at that festival you have
2: uh i I can't remember when though
1: um
2: uh it might actually it might have been it, it might have been 2010 and and my bloody valentine might have been a bit earlier
1: because of the label that you're running do you go and seek out bands fresh meat do you do you get to see live shows or do you Are you more, because of where you're living as well, do you travel more for specific shows played by specific, you know, the friends that you love? How how often do you see shows now?
2: Um, Not as much as I'd I'd like to. Um, um, uh, There's three or four things that uh, I've got going at at the moment. Um, There's a young band called Average Sex that kind of, you know, play... Victoria in Dalston, that kind of, like, that kind of level, really. Um, and um, Jimmy's in Manchester, you know, it's kind of a, a couple of hundred, something like that. And then um, this, I've got kind of older, uh, more experimental guys as well on, on the label. <laughs> uh, like Daniel O'Sullivan from Grumbling Fur, um, Richard Youngs, who's just put out an amazing record called Belief, um, and uh, just about to put out a record by... Uh, the Silver Field, and they're kind of very kind of coming at music from a very different, um, different place, really. Uh, but but they uh, they kind of fall into the same category in a way. And then Average Sex are very much like, um, you know, the new pups in town, and uh, and uh, um, and Keel Her as well. Um, I'm hoping to put her record out. Um, this kind of very lo fi, um, uh, raincoatsy kind of. Feel, feel to it,
1: Beautiful.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, so there's there's little pockets of um, things that come together in in a way that's a very diverse label. But do I get out and see enough bands? No, not at all. I, most most of my things that I put out come from recommendations from um, you know people I'm friends with. Really, you think this is yeah. really, this this would really suit Tim's label, you know? And um, uh, I, you know, unbe- unbeknownst to me, uh, well. I do now know, but um, mm-hmm. I, I, I've got a, a few uh, A&R people out there that um, just you know are actually doing my job for
1: But I mean, <laughs> honestly, you have like you have so much going on. You know, you're going to be releasing the album. I'm sure you. I I can only imagine you're probably writing um, either material, and you're you're also going to you know you you're running the label and. We're living in this time of gigantic anxiety about like technology and robots stealing our jobs and (laughs) nuclear war and Trump tweets. And the fact that you are still able to do so much and especially give back and run a label with younger, you know, younger artists and being in that environment. I can only imagine how challenging it can be also because things are... The world is a little bit of a mess at the moment, and oh,
2: yeah.
1: I feel like I don't know if is music a really safe space for you. Is that something that you do turn to when you're feeling a little bit wobbly?
2: That's a really good point, and yes, of course, and and uh, and uh, my friends who are involved in making stuff, uh, whether it's art or um, you know music or uh, you know whatever they do, but you know you kind of um, you know you know I, I like I like to hang out with creative people um mm. as the world turns on itself and <laughs> and, uh, and uh becomes even more chaotic you know um uh uh yeah i mean it's just like rolling 24-hour news on cnn or you know as all that as all that goes on you know i'd, I'd much Prefer to be talking to Cozy Funny Tootie about her latest book, you know, or um, you know, or yeah, or um, she is
1: so wonderful. Yeah, she,
2: she yeah, she's uh, amazing. She's uh, uh, and
1: Chris as well. I mean, but it just but amazing. I, I totally you know? get that. You now na- you start navigating toward things that are feel goods, yeah, as opposed to things that could potentially knock you off. Which it could be anything nowadays, yeah. as you said. I think that the the ominous word is rolling how it is constant yeah. and it's difficult to switch off
2: yeah it, it's it, it's always there um um but you know we create our own bubble and um and and, and function inside our function inside our <laughs> bubble you know but we're very conscious of the world outside you know but it's kind of like you know we've, we've um we've created something of our own uh and 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 it's a it's a safe space yeah
1: that's wonderful well thank you so much for chatting to me i've, I've had an really amazing it. time thank you and have Thanks a good day
2: all. thank you so and much enjoy you the see. woods yeah, <laughs> don't disappear
1: please we need oh, you okay. <laughs> well that was just brilliant that was amazing tim he's just truly one of the most loveliest people.
0: Seems like a real sweetheart.
1: He's a sweetie. And this world can be so chaotic and dark. And it makes the conversations like that with such positive people a real refuge. And for that same reason, I highly recommend going out and purchasing As I Was Now, which after a limited and now sold out Record Store Day release will be available on May 14th from Genesis get your grubby paws on that as soon as <laughs> humanly possible oh yes the charlatans week-long Northwich memorial court residency which i spoke about earlier is also starting on the 14th of may so the same day
0: that's a big day for tim burgess fans
1: put that in your eye cow put that in your eye cow
0: <laughs> that's the new slogan for the show put
1: that in your if eye you cow. Want,
0: if you want a t-shirt that that's says put that in slogan. your eye cow Horror uh, tweet, hor- us. Hor- tweet tweet us let us know
1: tweet us from your ikl <laughs> you can live stream it all over the world so head to the for more information and you can and also you should follow tim on twitter at tim underscore burgess and o genesis records on instagram and if even then you still haven't had enough tim burgess
0: no i need more <laughs>
1: I mean, he's written not one, but two books Telling Stories and the delightfully titled Tim Book Two, which is a vinyl adventures from Istanbul to San Francisco.
0: That is a very clever title.
1: Oh, also this summer, they'll be playing Latitude, Summer Sonic in Japan, Festival Number Six in Wales. Also, thank you so much. Much for listening. I I must say another thank you to Billy Yost and the Kickback for sharing their song Rube, far theme song, by all of their music at thekickbackband.com. Another big thank you to Lexi Frame for the artwork and Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the beautiful soundscapes heard throughout this podcast. One final thank you to the team at Consequence Podcast Network, where you'll find a whole bunch of other amazing shows. Last but surely not least, please head over to Apple Podcasts and click on those five stars. 5. All 5. All 5. Don't Just, do 4. Don't do 4. What are you, some kind of jerk? What what are you? A jerk?
0: What are you? Some kind of hey, loser?
1: Hey. I'm walking here. I'm,
0: I'm walking here. <laughs> that's good. Yeah.
1: We're in Chicago. I'm walking No, wait, that's New York.
0: That is New York, but you're still doing a New great York. job new york hot dog
1: just hot dog and hot dog and click on those five stars and share some words
0: <laughs> you move you to oklahoma oh. mid-sentence
1: but like and chat with us on facebook and instagram and twitter at
0: TMBTGPod. tmbtg pod
1: and just generally talk to everyone you know about the show
0: everyone call up your dad
1: call up that dad of yours call up that mama
0: Call up your friend Dave. Change someone's name to Dave in your phone at random. Call them and say, have you heard this must be the gig? No. Your name's Dave now and you're going to love it.
1: Silent laugh. Thanks again. I miss you already.